Brunt. Welcome to the movie Schmovie. Yeah. This One, is uh 169. 169, which follows 168. Look at that. Right. And here's the thing. And I, it goes I, in order. I've usually. had 169 before in my life. Only one. You've had Only one? one. Yeah. Was it good? Only one. It was, yeah, Up top it was of my brother. That's all right. <laughs> I mean, it was a summer's night, so it was kind of... Like humid? humid. Sticky? It was weird. All yeah. over the place. I mean, but... But you live to tell the tale. <laughs> exactly. So that's a good... Exactly. That's so a people good. usually die from 69? <laughs> I've heard horrible stories. Like suffocation. You could. Things what? like that. Yeah. Oh, that's true. You could suffocate. Yeah. yeah. I'd watch a horror film with a lady that did, like, that's how she got, people that, that, That's how she gets her victims? 169. <laughs> I'd watch that. Um, hello? Side note. We need to write that script. <laughs> I don't know. You could die. I've just uh, I've just gotten distracted. <laughs> and, like, my workmanship goes down because I'm so distracted. You know? <laughs> there are very few activities in life that require more... Focus, right. right. Then that, then, then, then enjoying exactly. that or doing that. You know what I mean? It's like I mean, both of them are all consuming. Two things happening yeah. that are really singular, and right. you right, somehow right. are like squirrel. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More like, why is there a squirrel around anywhere you're doing a 69? No, I'm saying that the act of having that done is so all-consuming that it can distract you from performing properly at the act of yes. doing. This is going to be a great episode. Yeah, it right. It's it already is. started yeah. so well. <laughs> Once again, the first five minutes. Especially when it lays into what our topic is, it's completely yeah. relevant. It's, right. got <laughs> it's got everything to do with the survey of family superhero films. Yes, the most family-friendly episode of Movie Schmovie yeah. just went down a really dark hole. <laughs> it's a, oh, it's a warm dark good hole. Okay, anyway. <laughs> well, I'm John. I'm Steve. I am Ronald. But there was a fourth voice. Wasn't there there was. There mm-hmm. was. Do you mind looking to your right for just to a second? To my right. Oh, wow. <laughs> As that person looks to yeah. their right, I can't see their face. I thought it was overall direction. <laughs> <laughs> it's friend of the show and friend of everyone on the show, Jason Conti. Hello. Welcome, Jason. Hello, hello. Welcome. This is a long time coming in terms of your relationship. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's done. It's done. <laughs> I almost feel like there's a take two coming yeah, up. Yeah. No, no, no. This was amazing. Yeah. This is, yeah. this keep this. This is great. Um, but this episode has been a long time coming, <laughs> you could say, um, because Jason Conti has been sort of, uh, he's been a, a, the rare listener who gives us feedback yeah. throughout the run of the show. Always appreciate it. Yes. Yeah, Never listened to. Yeah. <laughs> Just guessing. Always appreciate it. Yes. You know how sometimes you have a rule and it lets you establish what it is you wanted to do anyway? That's kind right. of what your advice yes. leads us to. If Jason had his way, these episodes would be 20 minutes long. <laughs> very quick. And we wouldn't do any of our foreshadowing or ramping up. Right. We would just None name things and be very efficient. No talk or remix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've stuck through them all anyway. Yes. Well, we appreciate so, it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. But Jason Conti is also a person that we all worked with, and specifically we worked under this person. So this is a very strange thing. The tables are turned. <laughs> The tables are turned much in the same way that in a 69, the tables are turned. Wait, was this your 169? Was it Jason? The 169. It's my 169, yes. With Jason. Oh, man. I did work under him. As we all did. Yes. Oh, God. I'm so sorry that I created this I don't think you did it. Perversion. It just happens. Oh, okay. It just happens. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. My mom is going to listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> you could, we'll, we'll tell you like an exact minute count. You could tell your mom, yeah. skip to right, 10 right. minutes. Mom, I'm going to need you to start at minute seven. <laughs> yeah. right. Anything I say before that can probably be used against me. <laughs> what is your job? 
You know? Right, right. <laughs> how, how did these people know you? But yes, we worked at the Apple Store. That's yeah. where Ronald and Steve and I met. And Jason was our manager for a little while. So, Who was the catalyst for a lot of this stuff, I feel like? I feel like you contributed to a lot of the the energy towards this idea of us doing it. Honestly, you're very encouraging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. as always. Well, really thank cool. you. <laughs> he said they're going. I was encouraging. <laughs> yeah, like, I think you mistake me for somebody else. Like, are you about to blame me? <laughs> 169. Or give me credit. Later. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, what have you been up to, Jason? I mean, you're all over the place, man. Like, I see you in different continents and states and countries all the time. What yeah, are you doing? That's, that's true. So, my job takes me a lot of weird places. So, mm. it's um unfortunate but it's cool because i have a lot of time traveling so i get to listen to you guys uh, oh, cool. so you know sort of when you're in different countries and you're in different uh states where you may not know anyone and sometimes after work you know you don't feel like going out and right. doing the whole anthony bourdain bit and trying to figure out what's the most interesting local place that you could eat <laughs> so you're just like all right well here let me listen to three of my buddies you know, awesome. argue oh, about cool. something so it always feels like <laughs> it is kind of cool to be here because i mean oftentimes when you're listening to this podcast and i'm sure that many of the people listening can relate to this you're just trying to contribute to the conversation so i look right. like an insane person just walking out <laughs> going, no 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 but you know and then uh, jumping in so Hopefully today I get to do that for real. So this is an episode we've talked about doing for a little while mm. where, and it's a good point, I think, to stop and do this. Definitely. Where basically we're going to look at the entirety of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the entirety of their output, and not necessarily come up with like a definitive ranking based on the quality, but more just based on kind of our feelings about these films. Oh, yeah. And there's an aggregate rating. Thank you, Steve. You're welcome. Nomenclature. No problem. So this is Marvel, and then most of the time under Disney as well, right? Yeah. Mm. When, when did Disney start? Um, start? I came in around uh, Iron Man 2. Okay. So I think that's kind of the lift on that is the first bit Marvel had, I think, around $80 million, and they bet it on Iron Man, you know, mm-hmm. which we can get into later on. Yeah. But then after that, Disney kind of came in and bought it all because, you know, they were clearly being very successful about it. And, you know, Disney such a done a great job being the caretaker of so many of our childhood icons right. at this point. Maybe that's what was missing from Ghostbusters, is that Disney wasn't behind yeah, it. They would have at least marketed it <laughs> No, better. no kidding, actually. No, marketing's always killer. Yeah, seriously. But Jason, you're a good person to have on this episode because you are a comic book guy from way back, like myself. You read them, and I know that you've actually hung in there to a certain extent with at least the broad strokes of what's going on. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. So what, what did it mean to you when they started making these movies, starting with Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr. being cast in that role? That really was when it kind of took off, I think, in the collective consciousness that they were trying to do something with these characters. What did that mean to you when you saw that? that yeah, film? I'll say, um, you know, growing up and then watching you know, all the comic book movies that came along, like, mm-hmm. uh, and I know Ronald will definitely agree with me on this. There are many more misses than there are hits. Oh, absolutely. So many. As you're, as you're going along. And you start to really feel like, okay, no one's ever going to get this right. And I'll remember um, Daredevil is a great example of one that, you know, you just walk in and you're like, Ben Affleck actually reads this comic book and you have your hopes so up mm-hmm. and then you just walk out of there like crying because you're yeah. like, how could that have happened? Yeah. And Robert Downey Jr. was not a sure bet at that point. I mean, he was really kind of reaching into the C-list of, you know, yeah. great actors who had seen much better days. Mm-hmm. So, you know, walking out of that one, I remember just feeling elated, like, oh my God, they pulled that off. Yeah. And then you know, particularly when you got to the post credit scene because they basically Babe Ruth and said, we're going to do this. Absolutely. Yeah. Which yeah. I think um, just drew the trajectory for you know all of what you saw in the years afterwards. Don't you think the brilliance of that casting too, though, is that Tony Stark is a guy with baggage and casting Robert Downey Jr. did a certain amount of heavy lifting. Like we, we had an end to that character right yeah. away 
we knew that this guy was not the, your usual hero. Like the fact that he, you know what I mean? Robert Denny Jr.'s mm. reputation, he was kind of damaged goods. Oh, yeah. it, 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 was allowed to, it was allowed to become part of the character of yeah. Tony. They've never had to depict Tony as a drunk as he is in the comics. Right. But just something about that little hint of darkness and that snark that Robert Downey Jr. has, I think that made that character... Like, again, I think audiences on at large, like, it was a melding of their idea of the actor of and is. this character that was being created. I mean, honestly, it reverse-informed the comic book. I mean, the, the big thing, I think, growing up for me, you know, as a, as a nerd, like, you know, working in comic stores when I was 18, mm. you know, if a girl came in, she was making fun of you or she was horribly lost. You know, that was, <laughs> like, yeah, that was, there was no sense of who iron man was like people knew spider-man they knew superman they might know wolverine but uh the punisher you know but there were very few breakout characters and iron man was a you know b-list character for marvel certainly to to bet on and to be walking around now and like kids know who hydra is and shield is and they're wearing t-shirts and i mean i'm so excited about next year just to see like kids dressed up as the black panther for halloween is going to be the most awesome thing Mm mm-hmm yeah. So it's a pretty good time to be a nerd. Yes. They're well, getting it right. Comic fans for so long wanted them to take these stories and be faithful to them. But what Marvel ended up doing was casting charismatic actors in, in those roles. And that did so much of the work of getting sure. the average audience goer into going to see a movie that <clears throat> normally I don't think people wanted to see. I don't think Captain America was something people were clamoring for. I don't think that, that's Thor actually was my takeaway with the Captain. I mean, I'm, I'm the least informed of the comic mm-hmm. conversation, you know? Like, I wasn't a comic guy growing up, but. I was my takeaway when going through my list was that one of the characters that stands out to me most now in terms of what they've done with the character over the course of these first two phases mm-hmm. is that Captain America like really stands out to me as my guy like yeah. as the character that I gravitate yeah. towards and and the films of of his you know the, the one two and three all of them have pretty good placement in my listings yeah which kind of surprised me because like with Iron Man. You know, same kind of thing. Like, I, I was aware of the character. I knew enough to be understanding of what was going on in the movie. But walking out of that, like, it really did succeed at making Iron Man, like, a huge it thing. You know? Yeah. And, and um, <clears throat> you know, with Thor and then Captain America coming out and whatnot, I just feel like over the last four or five years, the Captain America character specifically, I've connected with and it has absolutely become, like... In my opinion, like the 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 core of what oh, they're yeah. doing with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, mm-hmm. he he is to me. I don't know. Like I, I mean, I was I was kind of a Captain America fan, but it, like I said when we were talking about just scope of the character, <laughs> right? He's like the the way that the Superman movie should have been done in terms of his approach to being a superhero, his conflicts and all that stuff. And I think that they captured all those things in a perfect way. Yeah. I didn't think I didn't think it could be done. And seeing these characters like like you guys have been saying, lesser known characters become kind of pushed to the forefront is actually it it really has to do with the idea that they didn't have X Men. They didn't have Spider Man. So the genius in that is making uh a disadvantage turn into an advantage and and fleshing out these characters. So now that when they acquire, I mean, because they're they're in talks supposedly with bringing some X-Men characters over possibly for some of the the bigger movies. But that that means that these established characters that that are virtually unknown... When, once these big characters come in, uh, it's going to be nuts, man. You yeah, saw how good. people lost their shit over Spider-Man yeah. just in the trailer. For... Man, I, I I couldn't have imagined Spider-Man being done that well. How do you feel about the Spider-Man integration in the 
I was uh, I liked Andrew Garfield to be honest. Me too. You know, not too. to talk too much about like the rest of the films, but um, I didn't mind Andrew Garfield. I didn't think the second movie was great. I don't think anybody did. I just felt it was a little too soon to go back to the material. And yeah. so when I heard that he was coming back again, I was like, too soon again. But yeah. he was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's really got me excited about him. And he captured like if what Tobey Maguire got right was that kind of like angsty nerdy teenager thing right kind of awkward person and then andrew garfield got the kind of wisecracking genius thing down i feel like this kid in civil war sort of did both like he does seem like a kid yeah and i can believe that his 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 cast the cast for his movie is amazing they've added so many great people to it have you seen that list but like it's supposed to be like a high school set thing and i keep hearing people say it's like a john John hughes Hughes, movie with superheroes in it and i'm just like okay once again (laughs) what marvel has done well is is make them like ant-man okay it's a heist film with superheroes yeah you know uh guardians of the galaxy it's a space opera a la star wars there hadn't been good star wars in a while so when that came out it was the first time we'd seen that kind of imagery in a while um, so I don't know. I feel like that that makes me excited about that notion that they're going to give it a different flavor. And that, that when they brought it back, they weren't just saying we want it. They were going like, we got an angle on this. I mean, if you're going to look at Batman, Superman, you know, those brand name characters, Spider-Man is the biggest one on the right, on yeah. the Marvel side. Period. In perpetuity, Spider-Man yeah. is yeah. the biggest. I mean, it was if on you electric to company, go back, for Christ's sake. You yeah, know, like, just to yeah. look at brand marketing, it'd be Spider-Man and the Hulk. That mm-hmm. would be their you know big two. Captain America probably thrown in there as the three, even though. You know, Cap is very similar to Superman, like you said. Like, really hard to write because how do you write a character that's just a constant good guy? And yeah, he yeah. does such a great job with that. <clears throat> again, right. I'll save that for later. Yeah, on. Sure, yeah. sure. But it's, it's interesting that you say that about because Hulk is huge. I had almost not been thinking about how that's like a that's a household name too, you know, mm-hmm. and that is something that they managed to. But they what they they folded it in in an interesting way. And isn't there something about they can't make a Hulk movie, but they can use the Hulk? In other movies, I heard something like that. Like there's something. I heard about that the rights the, are tied the, up with the, Universal. Something about this. That's why there's a gap. Nothing came out Hulk related. Like there's some some sort of weird gap that they had. Like legally I'm, can't. I'm not sure. Put something out. I, I read that too. I think putting him in a standalone film is different legally than saying he's part of the Avengers package, which is kind of what they've done. That's right. The the Sony guy was talking about that when they had the press conference for the the Spider Man movie. Did you see that? Where they were like, uh, they basically were like, yeah, so Sony's going to have creative input into the movie. Marvel's going to do the whole movie. Mm-hmm. That's what, essentially what they said. Like, there's, they, they, it's only going to be in marketing, basically. Like, and, and obviously... We worked out gonna, a deal so that Sony's <laughs> feelings didn't get hurt. They basically said they trust them. Sony, while they have had success, it doesn't compare to Marvel's success. Mm-hmm. And they have a good thing going and they're not going to interfere with it. Now, Jason, you're wearing a Batman t-shirt. I am <laughs> at least representing the other side yeah, really, for uh, for a brief minute. Yes. So, did you have a? Were you partisan as you were growing up reading comics? Or? I was. I, I kind of read everything, and I mean, I still read pretty much everything. But I will say, I would probably be a Marvel guy more than anyone. And what's mm. honestly kind of worked out, like I think I started mostly with the Fantastic Four and um, Howard the Duck, but Iron Man and the Avengers became really important really early on. Like when I look back at my Halloween costumes as a kid. Um, you know, I'm wearing an Iron Man outfit, you know, I've got a thing outfit on. I mean, so for me, this is really, you know, like, again, a great time to be, you know, walking around. I can have an adult Iron Man outfit. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> they, they are you can wear it out in public and yeah. people don't actually say anything to you. It's really strange. But it's a really cool one. People will even say, that's yeah, awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Right, but yeah. it's like average Saturday and I feel like being Iron Man, I can just go to the bar. You know? No wedgies. No wedgies. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> 
one time you said to me, yeah, Marvel's got all these great characters and everything, and but DC has Batman. Yeah. And that counts for so much. It does. It does. <laughs> it's huge. It so does. the fact that you're wearing a Batman shirt, and that's yeah. almost just like a fashion... That's yeah. just like a fashion thing. You know, you don't have yeah. to... You see someone with a Batman t-shirt, you don't assume that they read comics. The thing is, DC had always had the archetype kind of characters. And in the 60s, when Marvel started to introduce their folks, um, particularly when they got the Spider-Man, it's like, well, the guy who saves the day happens to be a teenager with pimples <laughs> and a lot of problems, and it's not going to go so smooth. And that sort of informed their whole line, you know, that mm. these characters weren't going to be perfect people you know whereas mm-hmm. bruce wayne you can't get more perfect i mean well you can't you can get more perfect by being superman well you get You're so perfect with bruce wayne that it takes another writer later to say i'm going to deal with the psychosis like you know a writer comes in and says right has anyone noticed that bruce wayne is a withholding sociopath or whatever <laughs> yeah. it's, it's baked into the character because he was such a straight arrow and he was not kind of uncomplex almost right. in the way that he was created but that you're right that archetypal aspect it's something iconic you can project Whatever is going on in that era, whatever's going on in that artist's mind, you're right. Because yeah, you can take those characters, because they're, they're kind of flat. You know, they're and bright and they're around, flat, yeah. and you can twist them around a lot of different ways. Whereas, yeah. you know, if you start to do that with the Marvel characters, you're kind of interrupting this 30-year soap opera that's right. got a lot yeah. of inertia behind it. And, you know, that makes it a little bit more difficult to do. I'm super interested in something that Jason kind of mentioned, the idea that, like, uh, other media types are affecting comics. So, like, mm-hmm. I, I guess... The the one I can think of in my brain is like uh, Harley Quinn existing on yeah. an animated series mm-hmm. and then becoming a character in the movie or the comics and stuff like that. Or like the way that I, I'm, I'm very interested to see how this Black Panther runs going and, and maybe how it might affect the movie possibly. And, and same thing with the Marvel movies. I mean, the other Marvel storylines like uh it kind of cross-pollination yeah cross-pollination it's it's super interesting to see how other media types are going to affect the movies i mean very definitely robert downey jr is now the character in iron man comics yes i mean iron man was written a lot of different ways and some of them informed that i mean he was always a playboy you know there was an element of um you know i might do what i want to do rather than what's all of you want to do or what's good for the general Mm -hmm. world right now you know to him he had a lot of ego but when you read the character now, you're you're reading oh, wow. somebody's version of Robert Downey Jr. and the we, Guardians of the Galaxy were flat. Mm-hmm. I mean, and now they have that team. Like there have been so many different versions of that team. Now that core group is the yeah. group from the movies. You know, mm-hmm. and they wow. it doesn't always follow because you can't get it to line up because too many things are different. But around the time a movie will come out, you will see. A few months before that, they usually relaunched that character in some way. Like, they recently mm-hmm. relaunched Doctor Strange. When The Avengers was coming out, I think it was The Avengers, uh, actually maybe it was Cap Civil War, was right around when all of a sudden they decided to make Sam Wilson the character who plays the Falcon. Yeah. Captain ah. America in the comic books. Yeah. So if you're a kid and you're going to the movie and you're like, I like Captain America. And then you went, it's like, <laughs> Captain America doesn't look like Captain America. It looks like in the comic books because, you know, there's, his sidekick is And you go home and you put on your back. white sheet. Yeah, yeah, It all gets real weird. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and Thor is a woman right now right, in the right, comic right. books. And there doesn't wow. seem to be a lot of, you know, hey, we need to the rush Hulk, this back. Hulk just got killed yeah. by Hawkeye. But, I mean, that was a kind of cool thing because when cap uh when sam wilson becomes captain america like the first few issues you would think movies coming out we got to make this kid friendly and the first few issues are all a comment on racism yeah because it's about how people aren't accepting him like some Mm -hmm. people will not take him like you're not my captain america and it's like well what's wrong i seem to be doing a pretty good job i just saved you Mm -hmm. you know but uh it was a pretty adult bunch of topics was that when they aged him up to 90 right 
Yeah. They, that, then Steve Rogers, like the aging, the anti-aging part of the serum oh, wore off. And so he became like a 90 wow. year old. So it would Great. be like Sam Wilson out on missions. And then back at the base, Steve Rogers, like at a computer going, oh, look, look out. <laughs> Racism, <laughs> our aging baby mover problem. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. So this complex. Is heavy like, material like for a comic book. Aging baby boomer population, right? To aging baby boomer problem. <laughs> <laughs> there are so many of them guys and they're spending all our social security. <laughs> Um, but anyway, so that's a, that's a landscape that we're looking at here. That's what they've been able to pull off with these movies. They've taken these characters, like you said, that didn't exist before, and they've made them into moneymakers. Mm-hmm. And then they've taken this idea, this spirit of this, this soap opera that goes back decades, and they've turned it into something that, like, again, the modern audience can step into this now if they just watch these movies. They don't have to be, they don't have to be a nerd. They don't have to fight that. So we're going to look at this list. I will read the list of the actual Marvel movies just in the order they came out, just so we know which okay. ones we're dealing with here. Iron Man in 2008, The Incredible Hulk also in 2008. I didn't, I forgot that was the same year. Iron Man 2 2010, Thor 2011, Captain America the First Avenger 2011, and then Marvel's The Avengers in 2012. Iron Man 3 in 2013, also in 2013, uh, Thor the Dark World. Uh, <laughs> Captain America the Winter Soldier came out in the next year and also in 2014 we had Guardians of the Galaxy the next year gave us Avengers Age of Ultron and Ant-Man and then so far this year we have gotten Captain America Civil War and coming up in a few months is Doctor Strange so that's that's 13 films in the last what is that that's 8 years roughly wow it's quite a few and going forward it's a lot more crowded I'm sure if you've looked at this list you've noticed they're getting to to 2 and 3 movies a year but that's the future. What we're talking about is the previously released 13 films. Now, we each rated them from from best to worst, one being the best, 13 being the worst, and we added up those numerical scores, and I now have an aggregate rating of each of these films. So, interestingly enough, whereas there's 13 films, there's only 11 slots because there are two ties. We have two films tied at number nine and two films tied at number one. But right now we're talking about the worst rated film out of all 13, which is in the 11th slot. Um, and that has a score of 50. What is the worst rated Marvel film? Anybody want to take a guess what, what we had at the bottom of our list? It is a Thor movie. I know it is. It is, it is a Thor movie. What do you, what do you think? The I, think first the, Thor? I think the second one. You'd be right. Thor The Dark it has World. To be the, second. the second one was so much worse than the first one that it's, it's nuts. I mean, like, the costumes don't look lived in. The world doesn't look like it's really been there for thousands of years. Right. I just don't know that they've done enough to sell me on their vision of the Asgardian setup. Like, what do you think the miss is there? I mean, obviously, Thor, as a character, he's a funny character to see him bounce off of other characters. But outside of that, I don't know that they've nailed, well, Loki, too. Loki and Thor are both good characters, but I don't think they've nailed anything else. Yeah, I think the, um, well, I mean, Thor was never a huge seller. So if you were going to look in terms of, you know, Marvel and just, you know, what people kind of relate to um, Mm -hmm. and their overall sales, like Thor's had a couple of hot streaks, but, you know, not not often, you know, where it is. And it's usually somebody who understands sort of that sci-fi or sword and sorcery, and they're going to take him down a a, a clear bent for a bit, Mm -hmm. and you'll have like a, a run of good stories. And I think he's pretty famous because Jack Kirby, um, who's super important in Marvel Comics history, you know, did a lot of great design work on him back in the uh, early 70s, late 60s. Mm. But, um, you know, the movies themselves, like that one, I was trying real hard because I knew we were just going to dog on it. I'm like, (laughs) 
well, it is sort of a buddy comedy between like Thor and Loki for a little bit, and that's kind of fun because it's like brothers who don't yeah. get along. And, right, right. You know, Chris Hemsworth's beard is no longer that weird orange that it is in the first one, so <laughs> right. that's better. You know, like I mean, so that's that's kind of good. But um, even when you get to you know the bad guy, you know Malekith, who's played by you know a really pretty good actor, right. whose name I cannot recall right now, Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston, yeah. Just nothing there. Yeah. And I was watching it behind the scenes where he's talking about how he was going to bring more to the character. And I'm like, where'd you bring it? Yeah. You bring it? You yeah, forgot you to. Bring it. Yeah, you didn't bring <laughs> it all the way to the screen. You left yeah. it in his trailer. Yeah, like, where is that? And the thing that's always bothered me about those movies are these are like, they're battling all the time, right? Why are their outfits so shiny? Like, they just got made two mm-hmm. seconds before they started fighting. I'm thinking that these people are fighting in these wars, and that should be a little, some battle scars on the... It's almost part of the campiness that it's I just so don't think it's accentuated enough now. to really... Because I feel like they do sort of, they are, it, like, it's almost like they're trying to do Shakespeare in space or something like yeah. that. So there's a kind of staginess to the way those movies are put together, but... Yeah, and I everybody agree. speaks like, "If you want to go to Asgard, as yeah. a, every character fucking talks like that." And it's 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 even like, Idris Elba. Yeah, it's right. it's making it like a. It seems like a parody almost. It seems like a parody of a movie that it's supposed to be. That's, if it were just a little bit more engaging to me, I think I would really admire the way they throw you in, the way that they the way that they. Or do something that crazy because it is a nutty concept. Because when they said they were doing nutty. Thor, and it was after Iron Man came out, and I thought, well, how are they going to do Thor in a grounded way? Because that's what they brought to Iron Man that made right. it interesting. Was it was grounded? How are they going to do Thor in a grounded way? Oh, it's aliens instead of gods. Okay, I can kind of see that. They've kind of done that in the comics to some extent too, but like, I just don't know that they have. Beyond that, you still have to make that world feel lived in and mm-hmm. feel like there's a history there. And like like you said, the battle. The armor, everything yeah. should. It just doesn't feel like they went through that extra step that that a movie has to do in order to to make the world it's depicting seem real. How do you feel about a character coming to like a, a modern world and functioning in it, like like He Man? I'm Masters sort of, of not universe. into that part of the story. That, that bothers the fuck yeah. out of me, man. Like it's it's like why. Like why, why is that the story you want to tell? Yeah, why is he an alien god yeah. <laughs> and his and his crazy history? Why does he right. have to come to Earth? Even though that yeah. is what you would—that's how he becomes an Earth hero. But you're right. That story of the fish out of water. Story, yeah, the fish not, out of water. It's not uh, that interesting. Touching things that he's never touched before. It's mm-hmm. like how many times are we going to do that? Where that becomes like a—it's such a weird cliche thing that that for some reason it has to be done well enough, and it's never been done well. Yeah. Not, it feels like Masters of the Universe. Not right. to jump to Thor 1, but I think that's right. where Thor 1's a little more successful because it's sort of the, you know, what if God were really immature? You know, and I mean, <laughs> you know, shows up and then it's like, okay, well, this is a God and mm-hmm. he just happens to like not quite have all this stuff together. But by 2, it's Thor and he's basically Superman with a hammer and a cape and, you know, mm. like there's nothing left as far as tension goes with the right, character. Right, right. So, and when they go to Asgard, you know, that's... I mean, the first one I remember came out right around the same time as the Lord of the Rings. So you're sort of used to looking at shiny elf kingdoms. And then it's like, all right, another shiny elf kingdom. But it's pretty boring when they go back there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the only the only remember, memory I have of Thor Dark World is being the one that I was completely bored with. Like tempted <laughs> to maybe tears. maybe like walk out. I remember at the screening, I was like almost walking out of the theater. <laughs> you fell into the Odin sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I just... I don't have anything to say about that movie. Well, that's fine, Steve. We can move on to another, what might be considered a disappointing second chapter. Coming in in uh, slot number 10, uh, with an aggregate score of 44, 
is anybody surprised uh, that Iron Man 2 is low on the list? Similar to what happened with Age of Ultron, actually, a lot of moving parts. They tried to do a lot. They tried to introduce the S.H.I.E.L.D. storyline <laughs> a bit more. They had Black Widow in there. I don't know that the... I don't know that John Favreau was having the same kind of like relationship with the studio that he had on the first Iron Man, where he was mm. taking this property and kind of creating this world. I got the feeling there was a lot of studio mandates going yeah. into Iron Man Two, which again, Avengers: Age of Ultron feels that way too. That it just feels like this is not something that a screenwriter came up with. This is something that a studio forced a screenwriter to to put in, put in. to a movie. So Iron Man Two. Do you even remember that movie particularly well, Ronald? No, I I don't know. I, I thought know. about rewatching it because I feel like it left my brain after I yeah, saw it. Yeah, I, I I didn't. I just remember Mickey Rourke's like on the racetrack yeah. scene. That's all I remember. Whip, and just not, the... not really liking that take on the character. Yeah, it was it was hard. Or, to or I, I I don't I don't know the character like the source character, but I just I just remember like not not connecting or really reacting at all to I don't know if it was, if it was Mickey Rourke or just his. How he played that villain. Once he got the bird in there, and I was yeah. like, this is some sort of weird deal Mickey Rourke made on the front yeah. end where he's like, well, you're going to have to give me an extra bunch of money for my bird, <laughs> who's got to be in every movie with me now. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> That bird, mess. I think, is pretty much in everything that he does. But, um, That's so weird. Yeah, there's some, there's some real clunkers in there. I think the Black Widow being introduced was kind of the highlight for me. Like, Definitely. I'm a huge fan of ScarJo in that role. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. Her fight scenes are always uh, one of the highlights. Yeah, definitely. They're, they're really fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Introduce War Machine. You know, I mean, in that yeah. one, that really comes to... Don Cheadle's probably got the best screen time in that yeah. movie. Yeah, and that's a great character. If you're a comics fan, it was cool to see them do that, to see them mm-hmm. bring a character who you always knew was part of the supporting cast and give him that suit. Um, I also like, even though it's crazy, but I thought Sam Rockwell was funny in the movie. I like but, Sam Rockwell. I mean, it's a weird character and this the spray tan on the hands or whatever. It's like, it's a weird thing, but I feel like that is one, when I was thinking of the Marvel villain problem, I thought, well, Sam Rockwell was actually an interesting character because he's like dark Tony, or he's like, fuck up Tony Stark in that movie. And I feel like if you just had said, let's take that idea and make that into the movie, I I don't know. I feel like in both cases, we've said this about Spider-Man 3, that that kind of too many villains thing really hurts a film. But I think Iron Man 2 just doesn't know really what it wants to be the story of. Is it the story of Tony's past or his father's past coming back to haunt him? Or is it the story of Tony kind of meeting himself, uh, you know, before he started to develop a conscience? And I don't know that it quite knows how to... How do I negotiate that? I just watched all three right in a row, and it's really a pretty interesting character arc when you do it. Because the first one is sort of, okay, I become this superhero, which means I have this second identity. And, you know, my heart is going to fail if I don't take this thing out. And, oh, God, what am I going to do with it? So it's really Iron Man is the man in the Iron Mask, you know, by Alexander Dumas. And then the second one kind of takes this interesting spin on it for the 21st century. Like, what happens if you just told everyone who you were, Mm. and all of a sudden you're the world's biggest celebrity? You know, so in the beginning... You know, he's doing that, the fun scene with the Congress and stuff. And he's like, you know, you can count on me to pleasure myself, you know, and then (laughs) walks out and like tells all the senators off. It's like, he's just so big now that nobody can stop him. And then, you know, it's the downside of celebrity and what happens. And then when you get in Iron Man 3, it's like, okay, well, yes, everyone in the world knows you, everyone in the world knows you, but you're still just completely and totally alone. You know what I mean? That's interesting. And it takes it back to, you know, this guy who's kind of trapped by in and by this suit of armor. Captain America Civil War really takes the character to that next step. You know what I mean? Like he's that arc you just yeah. described really reaches its, its. That's the part where he sort of reverses what he said, you know, because in the, the beginning of Iron Man 2, where he's talking about this is my property, you can't have it, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And then in Civil War, he's like, I can't be trusted. You yeah. know, I mean, it's yeah. almost like they've done the. Um, 
alcoholism story mm-hmm. without doing alcoholism because right. at that point he's saying, you know, I, I am dependent on this. I can't, right, you right. know, be uh, alone. Mm-hmm. You know, so someone right. needs to, I'm turning myself over to a higher power. Well, let's uh, turn ourselves over to the list and keep moving because we, we have a lot of movies to cover. Um, here we are at the nine slot. This is uh, uh, one of those ties I mentioned. Tied at number nine with uh, aggregate scores of 41 and 41 are uh, The Incredible Hulk, Ed Norton Edition, and Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, Age of Ultron is a movie that I know a lot of people really hated. I liked it better than most, um, but I still think it's an incredibly flawed movie. But let's go ahead and start with it. Uh, Ronald, what do you think the big miss was with uh, uh, Age of Ultron? James Spader's stupid voice. Oh, no. I, I love him. I, I didn't mind the voice. I love him. I just think there's something... like I, The movie was... Of, it, it felt like... Uh, there was something about the 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 sense of dread that they were kind of creating mm-hmm. that didn't feel like anything at all. Like mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that the idea that all this chaos was going on that they were creating and didn't feel exciting. Mm-hmm. And that was I, I was wondering why I was watching fifty things fight each other at the same time, and I felt nothing. <laughs> I felt n- the 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 CGI was rubbery. The the storyline didn't feel good enough to warrant this villain being the villain that he was. Mm-hmm. He felt like a secondary villain to somebody else, sort of. I, it, it just didn't feel... I think it's like a pretty common problem, though, like with the villains in some of these movies. Yeah, They're yeah. Pretty and, weak. I had that listed as a sidebar. Do we want to get into that, the villain problem that the Marvel movies have? That they, we, they, could, we could probably go I have a villain problem and a heart problem. They have a real... Pro- like, there aren't very many Marvel films that really convey... Emotion very well. Not many, but they're definitely not many. Are some. The ones that do are. See, I would say that's what they'll they probably do be well. on the other side of this list. I would say the that's what they that do are, well, but I think you're right that the mediocre to to, to iffy films on this list don't yeah. do that at all. And the ones that are great at it obviously do it very well. Like you yeah, know. I think like um, Age of Ultron. Like I don't know. The biggest thing I remember coming out of the theater was just like. And I'll probably say this many, many times. Like, I'm the guy in this group that, like, went to it as just going to the movie oh, to get yeah. into this comic world. Mm-hmm. No no pretense. But, like, I, I immediately felt like an Age of Ultron for maybe the first time in watching any of them. That intentional setup yes. for everything else after the fact. Like, mm-hmm. it just felt like there was so much going on to service everything that's coming after it. It couldn't exist as a movie. Exactly. That, like, no. this does not exist as its own narrative. It's th- it, There's no real thing for me to remember or take away from this movie because it's going to take three more movies for me to realize why this movie matters at all. And that yeah. stuff that you're feeling that way about, yeah. I just don't think should have been in that movie. I agree. Right? Like, I think that th- then there might have been a 20-minute shorter version of that movie might right. have been a little bit more, whether you liked Ultron or not, at least it would have been focused on... That problem of Tony Stark's ego, what he does, how he creates this, how this problem escalates, right. and how they maybe represent to the world a little bit more of a threat than they did before. That kind of stuff was sure. needed. But yeah. I think you're right. I mean, I think scene for scene, it's got some of my favorite moments of any of the movies. Okay. But I don't think it holds together as, as, yeah. a, as a cohesive thing. I felt like they're really trying to wedge in nods and references and yeah. set up. They're not thinking about making a great film out of this right. but i still think like one of my favorite scenes in any of the marvel movies is hawkeye recruiting scarlet witch while they're in the middle of a battle and he's basically saying look if you're going to be an avenger this is what it's all about you know it's got lots of moments that i think are that good but i don't think it holds together and yeah. everything thor was doing in that film was a complete what the fuck yeah just, just <laughs> leave him out of the yeah, movie that, I'm, yeah, what, yeah, you know what was that whole like bath scene like so what stupid. was that i don't know what the hell that was is I there context that, for that i think it's going to come up in the next one oh, but okay. i mean they have to they have to reverse engineer why we needed shirtless hemsworth 
worth, you know. But, uh, <laughs> I think that one for me, um, you know, the common thing I think has been that it's sort of derailed under its own weight. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of what everyone's yeah. come out of it with. But um, I'm not afraid of going off of the comic books. Like Iron Man originally takes place in the Vietnam War. Of course, you have to move that forward in time. And, right. you know, it doesn't affect it at all. But there was a lot brought into this one that I didn't necessarily think it enhanced the story to do. So mm-hmm. I know John disagrees with me on this, but... You know, the whole um, Hawkeye's family bit. Like, Hawkeye is not married, nor does he have a family in the movie. And that was – or in the, in the books. But in the movie, all that really was just to give these guys a reason to go to someplace else so they can have a dialogue scene. You know, the there was enough character building with Hawkeye in the scene John just mentioned. Like, I still would have been like, oh, it's Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. This is cool. There's stuff going on. But I didn't have that lag, you know, like right there, which just turned into exposition. And then, you know, Ultron himself, like, the worst thing that can happen in uh, action films or comic book films is the ninja problem, where all of a sudden there's, like, a hundred of something that should be really hard to kill, but you just see people, like, batting them away left and right, and it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, well, Thor's okay at this, Hulk's probably okay at this, Iron Man would be good at this, but there's a lot of you, and that is an adamantium robot, you know, and there's a hundred of them running at you, it should probably take you a while to get rid of one of those, right, right. you know, and where did they all come from exactly? You it know? was pixels versus pixels in that final battle. Yeah, and Ultron's a great villain in the books, but in the movie, he just didn't translate for me for some reason, and right. I, I do think, um, as much as I was excited about James Spader playing him, you know, the way that they uh, then animated him, like, his mouth is moving, so he's actually talking, I'm like, you're a metal robot, but his lips seem to work just fine. Yeah. You know, uh, the yeah. scene where he's sitting in the chair, even, and he covers himself with a blanket. I'm like, yeah. why would a robot pull a blanket over himself yeah. for this, like, <laughs> reveal? You know, it, it just had a lot of, like, little clunky moments in it that I, I guess I expected more out of right. uh, Joss after the first one. So the Incredible Hulk. What? That's such a weird aberration. Like, Ed Norton... In that role, another, that's another. I, I just remember liking that. When I, I like the movie, but it's yeah. weird that he, that movie is it's it's like a good Hulk movie. Yeah, but it's weird that it's like that that actor left. I mean, it's just all the tensions around that they're trying to cre- create this connected universe, and they've got Sam Jackson popping up everywhere saying, "Hey, come on, join mm-hmm. the team." And here's you know what I mean. It yeah. Seems like they would have had their ducks in a row by this time. Is that just Ed Why Norton being Norton? a weird actor Absolutely. to work with or something? It has to be. Like, yeah, that, I feel like that's a pretty common feedback thread you'd, you'd read about, like, from movies that he's worked on that he's very difficult to work with. You can and, tell. And, like, very hands-on, very, like, wanting to rewrite the script, which, which happened on Incredible Hulk. You know, like, yeah, very outspoken. I don't think, like, playing in the world that you don't run yourself, I don't... It, doesn't yeah. seem like that worked out well yeah. after only one pass at being in a Hulk film. I wonder if he watches this whole thing that's going on and he's like, I made a mistake. I doubt it. You don't think so? I, I don't know. I'm sure he living his, he's living a, a pretty good life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I know what you mean, Ronald. I always think about that. Like, when I, the actor turns down the role just, or misses see, the role or whatever yeah. happens and then this other thing takes place. and To you see think what like, the Hulk has become yeah. for the world. He's he's nuts. So people go nuts when they see him on well, the Well, like, it's, it's like that was a point before it turned over, right? I think that was technically Slightly the second before, Marvel right? film made, but it was. I but mean, not, the production not, was not. Yeah, it didn't not, exist under under the auspice of that Marvel thing having happened. Right, right. Because right. it only came out a couple months after. Right. Uh, Iron Man. Iron Man. And so I don't nobody know, really I, knew I, yet. You know. I, I just don't think like it, it's an example of like not getting like a big picture or whatever that big picture was then. Like yeah. I just don't feel like he had a. He saw his place in it, you know, as as yeah, Incredible Hulk. I can see that. Um, now, that. Now they don't make a single movie that's not intended to be part of some right, universe. Right, Whereas you're right, absolutely. at the time, it was like how... Yeah, I can see that. Well, I mean, the ending scene was Tony Stark and Sam Jackson talking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you yeah. knew there was a link, and that may have been added in even after the production had right. gone, mm-hmm. hey, let's right. 
now that that's a hit, you know, let's throw this together real quick and, you know, chuck that in there. I thought it was infinitely better than the Ang Lee one. Absolutely. Uh, you know, which was kind of funny, though, because, like, the problem with that one was Ang Lee got so into the Hulk, you know, that he was sort of acting out all the CG parts himself. Like, when you watch that Hulk, you're watching Ang Lee, yeah. actually. Yeah. Like, he did all the modeling for it. So it's, like, him, you know, uh, basically on oh, that's there. that's cool. And then this one, like, he goes crazy trying to, you know, rewrite the Hulk and stuff. And it just makes me think, as much as I like that one now, Mark Ruffalo has so become the Hulk in my head. I'm like, right. oh, what would great. that movie have been like if we had actually gotten to watch it with Mark Ruffalo? And... I think it would be great. I, I I haven't seen Ed Norton in a while in anything. Birdman? Was like oh, the last yeah. One he was in. Yeah, yeah. I liked him in that. Yeah. But I, I mean, I mean, I, he's a great actor. I mean, I'm is. a big fan yeah. of his. No, I like Ed Norton. Too. It was very interesting to see like that he was going to be in a Hulk film, but yeah. then after the fact, you hear about all the stuff. Or even before it came out, there was stuff about like how strained it was getting made um, with uh, the director of that. I forget his name. Um, Leteria or Louis, the guy Louis, who did the Louis, uh, Louis transport flicks. Yeah, yeah. And just like a big like headbutting contest, and just like uh, well, that wasn't meant to be, I guess. But I, I did enjoy. I just remember really being yeah, into I it. it too. And enjoying the Hulk part of it well, way more so than Ang Lee's Hulk. For whatever reason, do you think people just responded more to Mark Ruffalo in that role? Or do you think it was more a matter of Mark Ruffalo got to be part of the Avengers? I think the latter. Yeah. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. yeah. The Avengers thing. I mean, you set, you're set up for success at I mean, that Ed point. Norton, yeah, because it does seem like he might be fun to see him be part of that. But if he's so hard to deal with, I just don't think anybody who kicks up any dust sticks around long in these movies. Because these movies, they, they find actors that are really willing to play. Absolutely. Like by Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard. Yeah. Yep. Right. Same same thing. Thing. I'm like, oh, okay. We'll mm-hmm. replace you immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> With a better actor. Right. Yeah. No, I didn't mean to say it like that. But you know what I mean. Don Cheadle is a better actor than Terrence Howard. Fuck, man. Terrence is not horrible. Don't, don't apologize. Yeah. Don Cheadle's so good. He's a good actor. He's so good. I think the... Uh, moment in Avengers where the Hulk takes Loki and does the boom, 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 boom was just one of the most fun moments. And then to watch Tom Hiddleston's reaction to that where he's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I just, I just give up right now. (laughs) I remember I was screening for that. Both of us at that scene, we were just both like, why? Like immediate reaction was like, yes, that was great. Um, Well, let's keep trucking on up the list to number eight, where we find uh, the, the first Thor film with an aggregate score of 40. Um, now, I think we kind of touched on this with The Dark World, but does anyone have anything to really add about uh, the first Thor? They show Thor on FX like it's like the greatest movie ever, and it bothers me so bad. Whenever I'm, I'm like at somebody's house, it's like Thor's on or the second one's on. Like, this is with the bonus features in between the commercial breaks. Fuck that movie. That's the one that I watched. You really? Did? The bonus feature <laughs> the version. Bonus feature version. So weird. The, the only good thing is really just Loki. Yeah. yeah, that that I yeah. that I take away from either of those movies, yeah. which yeah. I think I mean the the best villain in the in this whole universe they've created so far, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I so, mean, we'll see there've been other villains one. that have had cool moments or cool bits, but you're right, that's the one that's a character. Yeah, or I feel like we've gotten in his head a little bit, and we know we know what motivates him to some extent. He's a actually fully rounded person, and we kind of like would like to see him be good, but we know he's going to be bad. So right. I think that adds another element that we don't have with say Ronan or something where right. he's just. An asshole. That's his character. <laughs> Play. Oh, an asshole. Cosmic got it. asshole. Got it. Got it. So moving on to our next film uh, at number seven on the list. It's a film with an aggregate score of 36. Iron Man 3. 
Now, I, I did like certain aspects of this film. I liked that it was a Shane Black film. It was great to see him writing and directing something on this scale. Uh, did that have any meaning for you, Jason? Did you did you come into this like enjoying the fact that it that it had sort of a uh, a director with a real style uh, of yeah, his own? Yeah, I'm a Shane Black fan. Like yeah. I usually like his work, and I do think you can. That one feels a little bit different. It's got a little bit of that dark Shane Black. You know, kind of self-destructive feeling going on in it that um, you know you see in a lot of his movies. You know, there's some cool moments in it. It was a kind of toss-up for me between two and three in there, and mm-hmm. I think I just liked where the character got to because mm-hmm. by the second one, he really is so much of an asshole. You know, yeah. that I was like, well, I still like you, but I'm pretty sure everyone else is <laughs> right. sort of not right now. Mm-hmm. You know, like like you're losing them, but by three, he sort of pulls it back together, and uh, you know, trying to see a man do that was interesting. No, I liked the script. I liked the Shane Blackiness of it. And I liked that it felt like a Shane Black film within this Marvel thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it's a villain thing or maybe it it's is. a climax thing or something that just, it doesn't feel, yeah, it doesn't feel like it does enough with that idea. I like the idea of all the different suits and that he's been building a suit for every like neuroses that he has, you know, and I, <laughs> but I just don't know that that really culminated. Like I, I felt that, I, I thought about that and I thought it was interesting, but I don't know that I felt that in the movie, that sense that these suits represent his attempt at at solving his problems externally kind of you know i don't know that that really i felt that in the film but it was still you know an, an interesting way to take the character and i like the mandarin i like the 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 bait and switch i know a lot of people didn't like the bait and I switch hate the bait and see switch. i like the bait and switch i think that's why it's so low on my, i think ben kingsley i thought he was so funny in that role though that i was like okay i like this bait and switch but i mean i didn't go into it going I got to see the Mandarin. I went into it going, how are they going to deal with the Mandarin in today's climate without it seeming like a total stereotype, <laughs> right. like Asian I think guy. China financed like $40 million of that film or so something like that. So there was no way, because the Mandarin is really your classic, you know, yellow peril. Yeah. I mean, terrible, full, yeah. full you know, like completely racist character. And like mystical energies, everything that you right. could say. Everything yeah. you could say, you know, a Fu Manchu derivative. Yeah. Um, but... I really thought they they had enough going on with Ben Kingsley there that they could have stuck the character kind of all the way through and it would have mm-hmm. been better. And when he got yeah. to the bait and switch, it was a little bit of a, hey, we admit Iron Man doesn't have the strongest bad guy roster. Mm-hmm. Here's what we got. Yeah. See, I think I liked it because it felt so much like a Shane Black, like it felt like a good Shane Black joke. But I agree that it kind of takes the film at that moment, the film you think you're watching, and it kind of goes and breaks mm-hmm. it. And I don't think that it ever really replaces, I don't think that Guy Pierce says Killian, I don't think that ever really becomes like you're still spinning the whole movie going oh so he's the main (laughs) bad guy now that's kind of how i was it just doesn't feel like it connects whereas i like the idea i like the spirit of shane black saying you know it would be kind of cool to do would be to do the mandarin but not really do the mandarin i don't know that there's ever been a time that i've really connected with guy pierce (laughs) in a movie i Mm. kind of struggle with him i like him have you ever seen animal kingdom no i won't (laughs) <laughs> you should, Jason, because he's in it. Jason, Jason, you gotta watch that. Come on, man. Snowpiercer. Was that Snow? Was he Snow? And Snowpiercer? No. Who that was, was Chris it? Evans. Chris Evans. Was it Earpiercer? That's right. About the guy models. that works at the mall. <laughs> what? I retract my former statement about Guy Pierce. <laughs> was it Earpiercer? You didn't know it was going to lead to a tangent. I didn't. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> well, let's move on to a movie that Chris Evans is actually in. Um, at number six, we have Captain America, the first Avenger, with an aggregate score of 25. That movie really, I, I, it, I, I love it now. Every time they do something more with the character going I, forward, absolutely. when I go back and see it, I'm just like, oh, I love that they set him up yeah. so well. That scene where he jumps on the grenade, 
Like, great, great. Him getting up in the alley and keeping coming back when he's losing that fight, when he's a scrawny guy. Like, all that stuff he does that's heroic and brave when he's scrawny. Well, I think they called back to it yeah, in Civil, Civil War, War when he yep. says, I, I do can do this all day. day. Yep. I mean, God yeah, damn, lump in good. your throat if, if yeah. you've got a heart. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the guy. That's the guy we've been talking about. Chris Evans, who wasn't even really on my radar that much before, yeah. except that I did think he was funny as Johnny Storm. Storm. He like, was great as Those weren't great movies, but me. that was great casting. He was the best part of a really bad yeah, movie. So yeah, bad. I always thought he was kind of a lunk or something right. before that. And then I think with Captain America, he, he kind of played the lunk maybe. The way Joss Whedon wrote him in The Avengers, he's a little bit of the lunk. You, you, know, know? What I, you know what I called him for a long time? What? Bootleg Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for a long time. It's like years. And then I saw him in Captain America. I was like... Uh, Particularly Winter Soldier, man. We might be talking about that here soon. Mm-hmm. Winter Soldier? Maybe. Hopefully we do. Maybe. Somewhere. Hopefully, it's Somewhere it's on Hopefully this we'll list. get to it today. <laughs> um, let's get to our top five slots here. Now, there's six films in the top five because we, once again, just remember we have a tie at number one. But I'm happy that there's a tie at number one because that means that a film that would have been at number six is now in our top five. And uh, that film is, is one that I was definitely... Uh, excited about and I was glad it actually turned out to be good and you know I must be talking about Ant-Man which uh, comes in with an aggregate score of 22 I, I at this table a cheerleader. was definitely the biggest advocate for uh, for Ant-Man going into this role I think the character was just that power mm. set is really cool I think it was the right kind of thing to add to this world. I think yeah, the way they definitely. handled it in the movie as a little bit, it's a little ooky and a little bit weird and the, a little bit like a crazy mad scientist film or something mm-hmm. and a heist film. I just, so charming, so rewatchable. I mean, we've got a kid here that will watch a Marvel movie. You know, he'll just get up in the morning and if you're not awake yet, he'll put on a Marvel movie, you know. So to me, Ant-Man was the, a lot was riding on it. If it had been shitty, if it had not been, yeah. if it, Paul Rudd hadn't been, I like Paul Rudd too. So it was like, I wanted him to have this notch. Yeah. I, I think it did kind of. Maybe it was pitched just right. We've talked about this, that they can make a slightly smaller scope film and it can do not as crazy in terms of the box office, but it can still make a mark. And I think Ant-Man is exactly that film that now shows me like what you hope for for, say, Doctor Strange coming up in a couple months where I don't know what's happening culturally. I don't know where that movie's going to land. But right. if they manage to not spend too much on it, mm-hmm. then it won't be a boondoggle. You know, It won't be like a, 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 a mark in there, a bad mark in their column. But what did you think of Ant-Man? I loved it. I, I think that it's it's a weird thing, like you said, to make a smaller movie from a huge studio seem almost like a an indie movie in, yeah. in comparison, just because right. they throw so much money at those those movies. It felt very different tonally than anything that they had put out. There's something about a character that's a, a comedic lead taking on this adventure that makes it feel so much better. It's it's the thing that they try to get Anthony Mackie to do that, that Don Cheadle can do, mm-hmm. that they get characters like uh, Iron Man to do that this guy does. He is a comedic actor. He is very good mm-hmm. and can pull off action somehow and does yeah. it in a way that really works. Right. And, and, and he's actually got this history yeah. of working on these movies where improv is a part of it. Right. And he, he kind of co-wrote a polish on the script too, which is like... Right. Unusual for it, the Marvel movies. So in that sense, I think you're right. It wasn't. It was almost like a gamble to say, "Can this yeah. comedian do this kind of scene?" It's the stuff that they try to manufacture through script writing that he can do naturally. That I think that it's played out really well. I, I have a real problem. I, I I talk to you about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Like characters, I keep coming back to like Anthony Mackie and like these characters that aren't normally all the way funny. They're forcing humor on you. Mm-hmm. 
And having a character like Paul Rudd kind of come in and, and really be funny yeah. and really have the comedic time and makes me know, understand why, this is completely unrelated to this, why um, the casting for Alien is the, the the next Alien movie is the way that it is. Like the, the casting, Danny McBride. Right? Danny McBride. Yeah. Like Danny McBride, I think he can pull off a serious role if you put him in a role to do it. People are like, I don't think he can do it. Put him in a role to do it. Like, why the hell? What takes so much pressure off of the writers, like, you know, off right. of a script for a comic book movie if an actor himself can, like Paul Rudd, yes. can come in and immediately, like, lend an immediate, right. like, sense of humor to a role. Exactly. Even if it's not on the page, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Just in his nature. I would say, like, of the group, like, I, the least excited for Ant-Man of, of the three of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was actually pretty impressed by it i loved how that movie existed on its own and didn't need to tie into the universe directly like every Mm. other marvel property that comes out now like that said i like how those movies do that and some movies do that well than others like age of ultron being a not great one winter soldier being a great one that did it well but like i love how ant-man like kind of does tie in you see where it connects but it really is like john said earlier just a heist movie Mm -hmm. that exists in this marvel world that you get introduced to this new character this new man, this new guy, this new technology, whatever it is. Um, and I thought, like, and I mean, I know we mentioned it when we talked about it, but Michael Pena's uh, yeah, turn in that so movie good. So like, good. almost steals the movie at points. It uh-huh. makes me wonder how they're going to keep that group intact, because yeah. I like his gang. Yeah, absolutely. And I want to see them use that, but I'm like, how are they going to do that? You know, especially if he's on the run or something after Civil War. Right. But speaking of how it connects, what's fun is now going back and watching Ant-Man and at the end, when yeah. Michael Pena says, this guy from the Avengers is looking for you, yep. you know that like a couple of days, a couple of hours later, he's waking up in a van, you know, at <laughs> the, the airport. Garage, yeah. yeah. That's right. so great. That's so great. Like, no, it's it was up beautifully. super fun, like very funny, good action bits. Still a weak villain. I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like Corey Stoll's villain did <laughs> so anything bad. for that movie. See, I don't, I don't, I was going to say, I don't think that. I feel like what, what, whether you liked it or not, at least I'm, what I'm saying I appreciate about it is I like that he at least had a reason to be, he was connected to the character. Right. There was a, there was a, uh, it was all about Henry Pym. It was all about right. the Michael Douglas right. character right. and the choices he's made in the past. And yeah. that he's now picked this new person to be his sort of successor. And then you see that like, not only is he kind of overlooking his daughter, for various reasons, but he's also been overlooking this other guy. I sure. think that Corey Stoll actually did a good job in the in the early going of kind of playing that sort of hurt sense. I agree. In terms of what the Marvel movies have done, he's actually not bad. And that yeah. just tells you part of their That's problem. That's true. Is that they don't I'll, usually I'll, even I'll, really create much of a that. character. Like Malekith the Dark Elf has literally no character. Like the most interesting thing about him is that name. Yeah. You know, whereas with Corey Stoll, I, I mean, having watched him in other roles, he's kind of a... Kind of an odd actor. He is. You ever watch The Strain? Yeah. He's like downright bad on that yeah. sometimes. And also, he's got that awful wig, wig he has to live with. But um, no, I think that uh, I think I that, he was great on House of Cards. He was. Yeah, he, he was. was. He was really. He brought good. some of that to to Ant Man. I think. Yeah. But I know what you mean. He's like he's like a villain by numbers almost kind of character. Yeah. But something about his performance made me more interested in that notion that he's a guy who's bitter and he's resentful. Sure. And he's like, actually like somewhere inside he's hurt that he yeah. wasn't picked, you know, but definitely Ant-Man was invented as really an answer to the DC comics character, the Adam. So sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, what happens in between Marvel and DC is they'll be like, Hey, we've got this guy. And can you get us a version of that? Like what's actually happening now, which is kind of interesting is Thanos, the character in the Avengers is actually a Marvel ripoff of Darkseid, mm-hmm. who's the DC character, who will be the bad guy in the Justice League. And we're all a little more familiar with Thanos right now because we've seen him show up in the end credits of everything. But I think Darkseid might beat him to the screen yeah. you know, Ooh, um, wow. as far as you know, timing goes and stuff. But Ant-Man, 
totally flat, no character. You know, I mean, really, he's got a horrible history in the comic books. He goes from Ant-Man to Giant-Man to Yellow Jacket. Yeah. He's married to the Wasp. At one point, he becomes, like, abusive. And what they did was cast someone who has baggage. Like, Michael Douglas has a little bit of baggage just as a guy who's played a lot of right. intense characters. And he, they don't have to ever say, look at all this crazy stuff Henry Pym has done. Right. Uh, true. But you can just hint at it through the fact that it's Michael Douglas playing it. And yeah. it's like, well, if they ever did have to have him have a dark moment, we'd believe it because we've seen Fatal Attraction. We've seen Basic right. Instinct. You know, right, right. We've seen him grab a woman by the throat and like put her up against the wall before. So that was brilliant. But I was glad that they found a way to do the legacy thing, which is a big Marvel yeah. thing. Because Scott just to say, Lang is the second Ant-Man, and they do yeah. the whole baton pass to to him. So that mm-hmm. part was really great. But I think if you go back timing-wise at this, and probably one of the movies that's going to come up next, I think, it gave us a little hope for it. But this movie had its director removed. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a character that nobody knew, yeah. you know, whatsoever. And I think everyone was kind of thinking, like, they'd gone so far in the streak that this is going to be the one where Marvel bunts. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I mean, particularly out of that summer, that Avengers Age of Ultron, we were all like... I am going to love this, and then that's right. going to be sort of the, you know... The other one. Want, right. moment, yeah. you know, where they finally <laughs> miss a beat. And it totally was not. I mean, mm-hmm. it was so much fun. I've probably rewatched that more than any other Marvel film. It's like, oh, wow. it's like 100 minutes and change, too. It's just quick. so, yeah. so, so easy yeah. to put on. Anytime and, I'm on an airplane where that's on, I'm like, this is a great way to spend a flight. Right, right. So above uh, my beloved Ant-Man on, on the list, at number four, with an aggregate score of 20, we have Iron Man. Now, we've talked about that one. But it is the one that really made all this made it possible. Made it possible, and it is the one that if you watch it now, you see you see still what what you thought was great about it, like that character, an arms dealer, who goes through a crisis of conscience and then builds a suit. Like that is a very grounded, even though it's crazy and it ends with a guy in a robot suit. It still is like technically within the realm of semi possibility. Yeah, yeah. And I think that doing it that way would have almost made you think they were going to do that throughout. They haven't, but. Seeing that Iron Man movie, like when he says, I am Iron Man, and what you said, the twist on the secret identity, that now he's owning up to it. I walked out of that kind of going like, I don't even know if it was known that they were going to try to do all this other stuff at that point. But I just remember thinking like, was that the most true comic book movie that I've ever seen? I just, I felt like there was something about it that just felt so right and it felt so true to the character. But it was not yet apparent that they were going to, you know, build the universe around it. Yeah. What did you think when you first saw it? Um, that was like me buying into it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I'd seen other comic book movies before that, like some of the X-Men films and I mean, even the Fantastic Four movies, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but that was like a moment where you truly felt like somebody like kind of found the right mix mm-hmm. or that at that point, I think it was Paramount that had it, you know, that they found the right mix of, of making this accessible to people that mm-hmm. didn't, didn't, had, was not already invested in a character or in the world that the character existed in. So, you know, being able to go see it with friends of mine who were really big comic book guys and both of us walking out or all of us walking out like on a similar plane of like, that was fucking fun. Like that Mm -hmm. was a blast. And, you know, I think the casting of Robert Downey Jr. stands out as like a a pretty monumental moment in like how to cast for these films, like knowing that they had a plan, you know, if at that point they did like for 20, 30 years on the line, (laughs) like take a chance, like. Don't 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 just like go with like the first person that comes to mind or, mm. you know, inspired casting is like what made that movie. I think and, and and he definitely made the film. And who could forget Jeff Bridges as Ironmonger? I did already. <laughs> <laughs> you actually just reminded me yeah, of that. Right, exactly right. No, I, had, I was like, and thus I was, we were the, 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 the villain. I was sitting here wanting to say that, and yeah. I had to think like, wait a minute, was that? 
Was that Ironmonger? That was Ironmonger, wasn't it? Wasn't that the name of that character in the comics? Seeing him bald was so it was jarring to me for some yeah. reason. I was like, oh, God, I'm, Jeff Bridges bald? I, I don't know. Not you know. a very memorable villain, but... No. And that's a, where the problem starts. But, but a good indication of the casting <laughs> thing, because I remember... Yeah, yeah, yeah like, you're right. It's like, but Jeff, if you heard Jeff Bridges is playing the villain, like, you'd be like, that's yeah. awesome. You know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. So it's like, it's still a smart move, and he wasn't like, it wasn't like a poorly performed character i just mm. don't think that as a, i think that the climax of that movie is the part you almost completely forget exists and then when you watch it you're like oh yeah there's a fight at the end it's almost like that for a lot of them though yeah yes i don't know yeah yes. that's a problem but I mean, when you yeah. say that to the like diehard fans that can't they won't hear anything they're like all all the movies are perfect and they no man yeah, yeah. it's a little like pro wrestling in that and that the fun part of pro wrestling is actually the You're trash right. talking between the matches <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yep and You're then you know it's side like, interviews yeah and then it's like what actually happened wasn't all that important but you know that part was right, hysterical right. you know right. and uh so it's all the character development and the lead up on it too is. and then there's gonna be you know calamity ensues and it'll all be over and <laughs> boom that's that's true that's good that's good comparison yeah I think, um, you know, that one was clearly huge. And I think when you get to the end, and I remember watching the end credits and seeing Sam Jackson come out again, that was the part where I'm like, oh, they're going for it. And you realize that they're launching this connected universe. I just felt like for a while we were going to see a scene after the credits of every film that came out of Sam Jackson being like, I want you to join this initiative. I feel like it should have been happening with romantic comedies. It should have been happening with dramas, you know. That also Um, kind of started the whole, like, stinger movement. Yeah. Like, with with movies, like, sticking around through the credits and like, oh, you didn't stay? You need to go back and see it. You need to watch it. Yeah, and and only sometimes is it worth it to actually sit through the credits. Um, Let's move on to the movie that uh, is in slot number three. That's a film with an aggregate score of 16 and uh, a film I know we all really love, uh, Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Ronald, you actually started to mention this film earlier. Um, Why don't you get us started? I saw it in the movies, and I I remember feeling like uh, one of the issues with the Marvel movies is kind of the action not being as intense as it should be, given the circumstances. Seeing Bucky go into a public square and just start shooting a gun into a square is, is come on. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it, it, there was there wasn't a moment before that that I had seen that made me feel like this is leaking into the real world quite right. as much. Yeah, right. right. It's Bucky's craziness kind of out of you control. know taking it out yeah. on people that had nothing to do with the situation. Um, and before that's not a thing. In Avengers, you they just destroy stuff and that's it. Like you, you don't really see a lot of people around. Collateral damage is not yeah, a thing. Yeah, it not a thing. And um, I, the Civil War comic conveys that a lot better than I think that the movie did. But Winter Soldier is the beginning of the collateral damage being a thing that was real to me. I'd always seen people screaming. I'd always see people going like this. Running, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what Marvel tends to do. They tend mm-hmm. to show people like, ah! Right. Or... That so to see Bucky doing what he did, and then sometimes like things physically falling on people, mm-hmm. creates more of a sense of urgency, and the government having to control it, the government putting a, a kind of lid on what was going on, it made more sense to me. Mm-hmm. And there's something about uh, them tackling it the way they have with Winter Soldier, and they tried to do it a little bit with Iron Man Three, kind of the collateral damage of the the Avengers battle the aftermath of all this stuff becoming a, a, a continual storyline. I love that. Yeah. And they're trying. I think, I think it was like the, one of the, the standout for me was remember seeing it just feeling like I'm going to see a superhero movie that 
really wasn't a superhero movie at yeah. that point. Like, that's the context of what the world is happening, like what you were saying, Ronald. But, I mean, I think it just was the first successful, I guess, execution of really making more of like a psychological thriller right. or a political thriller that just happens to have superheroes yeah. in it. And it exists, like, as that also. Mm-hmm. Like, very well. I mean, it's not just like a good superhero movie. Like, like Winter Soldier is a great movie. Like, mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Like, it doesn't need to tie into any of the MCU to be able to be appreciated for the filmmaking, the action, the scene in the elevator when he fights all the guys, one arm, ridiculous. The like, scene where he's amazing. on the motorcycle and he takes out the jet. Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean, and I just think that that like it's that's the escalation of that character that I was talking about earlier, and like I think. Pulling that character into a world where I wasn't just looking at a superhero world. I was looking at a world where government really was being questioned and yeah. that people were being questioned. It made me completely buy into Steve Rogers and Captain America. And, like, that's my favorite character in this world now because of Winter Soldier. And uh, well, It was a great way to illustrate all that stuff you're talking yeah. about. It's like show the moment when this guy starts to not trust what he has been kind of leaning on this whole time. All time, right. Did, did, I think I told you guys on the podcast that I'd read where – I think it was, the scre- it was either the screenwriters or the directors who said – that the what they went into that movie with as kind of a rule was uh, Captain America isn't changed by the world. He changes the world. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and that, like, they, which is a very Superman kind of thing, that, mm-hmm. like, he's that good. He's actually going to make the world better by just being good. He's not going to be corrupted by this by this organization. And that's I think awesome. that, that movie really does tell that story. It's a really good fish out of water story. I mean, I think they did a really nice job. All Everything you've said about the government conspiracy film, I mean, when they made... Uh, correlations between this and like Parallax View and Three Days of the Condor and a lot of like yeah. 70s American cinema. Mm. You know, I was like, that's a big weight to put on that movie, but it really did pay out, mm-hmm. you know, that way. Mm-hmm. But I think when you have a character who's so much of an iconoclast, like, I'm going to hold to this idea of what I am no matter what. And then you take him out of time mm-hmm. and you say, okay, so the only thing that I have that I believe in is this system, which is now failing me. Mm-hmm. And that's where they've really done the, the idea. The problem with the Superman movies is. If he's not going to move, what's going to move around him? And they've done a great job with that with Captain America, yeah. making problems that exist for somebody who you know is always just too good to be true. Right. And there's a lot about friendship in these flicks. Yes, yes. Uh, like yeah. the first one's him and Bucky. The second one's like, well, everything lets you down, but you know you're going to pick up some buddies along the way. Mm-hmm. And then I mean, by the third one, it's like, what happens when buddies fight? You know. Yes. But I mean, it's really. What happens when your, your yeah. new buddy and your old buddies don't get along? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> if, your old if buddy Iron Man is buddies. about loneliness, Captain America is about buddies. Yeah. 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 And what are you true to? Kind yeah. of in a way. Absolutely. All right. Bro so code. The next one is the one that I, I would say. You that, should call it that. Yeah. Captain America broke up. Yeah. That's, that, that's the next one. I'll watch the show. Captain America 4 broke up. Oh, God. So the next movie, again, number two, with an aggregate score of 15. This probably won't surprise anybody that this one made the top. Uh, but this is a movie that I think was a huge culmination. I think a lot of the reason we're even talking about these movies is because the Avengers was it happened said, yeah. mm-hmm. it was the plan mm-hmm. which was why they started doing it this way and it was the one that really gave us that jolt of i mean i wasn't even really that i was i was fond of these movies but i remember seeing a trailer for the avengers and i knew that joss whedon had written and directed it and i was excited about that because i thought he was a perfect person to do like an ensemble kind of comic booky mm-hmm. story like that but that shot and it's almost like a cheesy shot but it got me so bad in the trailer it's the shot when they're it's the final battle and they're all grouped together on the street and the camera kind going of goes around, around them yeah. and that going around the group shot that can look so fakey and so shitty but just the fact that I was watching that and when I saw the trailer and I was I remember I was sitting there with my wife I don't remember what movie we were going to see and I was like 
I may have even said out loud, they did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, that's <laughs> Iron Man and Thor and Hulk and Black Widow and Hawkeye, and they're standing together. There is something kind of magical about that idea of mm-hmm. heroes coming together yeah. and what that means and the way these characters, you know, they kind of blew my mind. Absolutely. And still, when I look back at that movie, I can get back to that spot. Um, what what you know? What was your experience with it? I mean, a lot of the same. I mean, I I think coming into it as a Sorry. you know somebody just buying into these movies as they came, not anything with the characters beforehand. It was really cool to see it come together in such an entertaining way. I think that, that that's like probably my biggest takeaway from the Avengers film was that like everything that I had seen before, it I really enjoyed for the most part, and even the ones I didn't love, I was still into because I was buying into this world it was building. But to see it really successfully culminate into something that. As opposed to Age of Ultron, Avengers, I was into its story also, mm-hmm. you know, and where it set off the rest of the trajectory of the universe, like, I was buying that, too. You think it like, helps that we had Loki as a villain? I do. I absolutely do. Like an actual performance, I, an actual character? I absolutely character. do, and mm-hmm. I was going to say that. I think having Loki present in the movie, the best parts of the Thor movies, um, in, in the Avengers, I think, was the, like a thread that, like, let it air out itself. Mm-hmm. You weren't, like, learning about a new villain, per se. And you really were already familiar with somebody who you love, or me personally, who I was really, I loved that that villain. Yeah. I don't know. Avengers, I just, I just absolutely remember, like, it's one of those things, like, with all three of the ones that, or all three or four that were in my tops, like, the takeaway from all of them was, like, that theater experience also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, the Avengers, again, I... Remember seeing it with Ronald at the at the screening for it, and just like both I, of I us. was but a listener then. So. Yeah, you were but you were but a listener, John. <laughs> just just like that moments of like you know that theater experience, like with a crowd for one, but mm-hmm. though, but then also just like with your investment in something paying off, like you're saying, like mm-hmm. they did it. Yeah, like those moments, like in in the, in the movie, especially the, the Hulk and Loki scene. It's just like how how did this happen? Like it it actually is happening, and it was funny, action packed. The story progressed, and the story itself, it had its own thing, like which I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, if only Age of Ultron could have <laughs> delivered in, in its yeah. wake. It's interesting that that movie, Joss Whedon came out of that movie like Ascendant. And I was thinking yeah, like, okay, this true. guy who I've admired for years yeah. now can do whatever he wants. And now he seems kind of like Crushed. he's like he's beaten. Yeah. Or, or just yeah. like he admitted he wasn't into that. He yeah. wasn't into doing stuff at that scale, you know? Yeah, it's weird. It's really kind of crazy. Because Hearing he, him talk about writing it. Yeah, directing it sounded like a torture, which is crazy to be battling with the studio like that. But that just shows you that how could you possibly come out of that process with a movie that you were into? But at the, at this movie felt like it was kind of a victory you know, in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I remember even like the, I don't know at the time I remember thinking I had not had that thrill in a theater in a long time. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. now we've got new Star Wars coming out. There's all kind mm-hmm. of opportunities to get yeah. that that fixed. But at the time, I was just like, I have not felt like a 10-year-old at a movie in, in years. Yeah. Star like Wars is probably the only one that I can relate that to. I've spent a lot of time. I have little nephews, so now they've just discovered Star Wars, so we're mm-hmm. spending all this time oh. discussing, you know, lots and lots of things <laughs> about Jedis. But I think uh, I had just moved to New York that day. We literally unpacked, ran down the uh, street, and me and my brother sat down to watch it. And I remember being so freaking nervous. Like, please don't jack up my whole childhood. Yeah. You know, because, like, if every movie hadn't been great until that point, nothing had been a total miss. You know, right. So you just wanted to see it. And, like, when you said, oh, they did it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I remember that yeah. being, like, so good. And then just as you're going through the movie and it was getting better and better and better, you know, right up until the end scene where I'm like, the Hulk is fun. You know, yeah. oh my gosh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm so happy to see the Hulk in this movie and watching all the interplay between the guys. And mm-hmm. that probably, if there was a, 
a moment in uh, Avengers 2. It was like, it was nice to watch the gang get back together, right. you know, but the storyline just didn't hold, you yeah, know, for it. Because didn't. by the time this one was over, you're just like, I don't know how you can top that. How do you top that? You don't have to top that. Change you, it. You just kind of, right. You, yeah, you yeah. pivot and like you go with a story like Winter Soldier and like it almost, it's not a reset, but it's just a different, it's just a different path. I right. mean, I think that was such a smart move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they'd taken a little bit of flack by this point for having kind of a house style. Yes. Right. So to be able to go, okay, we're going to turn a corner with phase two and we're going to do right. something different. Because, I mean, you really couldn't have kept producing that same thing over and over again. Well, you could have, but there yeah. would have been diminishing returns. That's, you know, the DC films for the most right. part. Right. Outside of Batman. I, I do wonder if that is one of the criticisms that I hear that sticks for me, that as a movie buff, I do admit, these are not movies that, that st even Winter Soldier, it's like, it's within that house style that it manages to find its little thriller feel, you know? But it still has that, right. just, the, the, just the look and the feel of the movies. It's not like they were getting people in to create their own version of things but then you look over at dc and you see like what they've got with Zack snyder it's like maybe you don't want an auteur if you're trying to set up multi multiple franchises maybe you don't want someone's specific weird uh, neuroses you know fueling a movie that has their vision right, because right. it's hard for someone else to come in and build on that without just having to walk it back which i, I have a feeling is what people are going to be doing for years with the dc films is trying to walk back that tone that they established in batman versus superman yeah. but Anything else about Avengers? No, I think that's it. I guess this is a this is the big moment because we are now at slot number one, which has got two films tied, both with uh, an aggregate score of seven. And um, I was so happy this happened. I know because I had a hard time. I'm very happy deciding whether which one was at the top of my list. But mm -hmm. tied for number one on this list, we have the Great Guardians of the Galaxy and Captain America: Civil War. Civil War, it is basically Avengers 2.75 or something I was going to ask like you if, if, if you see it as an Avengers 2. I point whatever. I see why Captain people America. say that, but I think the overall... It's as though you had an Avengers movie, and then outside the margins of that, it's like wedged into a Captain America movie. Because there's so many characters that come in in the middle, and it gets really swollen with incident and character. And then right. when it tapers down to the end, you're down to Tony, Bucky, and, and Steve. You yeah. know? The interesting thing is... Is not that Tony is going along with the government. It's that Steve is not. You know right, what I mean? And right. at the end, it's not... The interesting thing... To, I mean, as far as this movie, it's not that Tony has a beef with, with Bucky. It's that Steve can't stand by while Tony punishes Bucky. You know? Right. So it's like... It's still about Steve's decisions. But as far as who's on screen more, I don't even know if Iron Man's not on... If, or at least Tony isn't on screen more or as much. Robert Downey Jr. called it his Iron Man 4. Yeah. I've heard him say that. That, that was like... Really? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it really was sort of a. I mean, it would that was the Avengers movie I wanted instead of Age of Ultron. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. oh, that was so much right. So it doesn't feel like they were like you look back at Age of Ultron now after seeing Civil War, and it feels like they were spinning their wheels on some level in Age of Ultron. Like they yeah. were coming up with a villain of the week to knock down, but they really weren't interested in taking those themes forward. But Civil War is all about like. I mean, even the trailers, talk about, again, emotionally reacting to these things. The trailers to Civil War had me upset that these guys were not, were not going to be friends anymore. And Steve is technically not Captain America anymore. I don't think audiences are thinking about that as a big change. But to me, that feels like a pretty big change, that he's basically nomad, mm -hmm. if you know the comics, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, he's now on the run, kind of trying to be Captain America, but without the support of the government. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something they've done in the books. But I think that people, I mean, really, it just remains to be seen what they do next, like... I'm wondering if some of these movies upcoming, if we're going to get an Ant-Man movie where Scott Lang is technically on the run from the law because he was sprung from the super prison or something. Like, surely they're going to get at least one bit of story that tells us, like, what does this mean? Because I've heard that the team in the next Avengers movie is going to largely be comprised of some of the characters that we haven't 
scene yet. yet that we're going to get more Black Panther we're going to get more Doctor Strange and that kind of thing and then that's going to be this new set of characters are going to fuel the next the next Avengers movie wow but I mean I don't know like would you go see an Avengers movie if it was Doctor Strange Black Panther War Machine Tony Stark and I don't know who, I mean who else would be in that list Vision you know that's a pretty odd team it is odd they'd have to have somebody that's like super mainstream they have to have at least like like Wolverine or Spider-Man they have to have one person that's mm-hmm. like Right. I don't mind them be having a random pe- sprinkling of people. But you have to have somebody that's strong enough that has the rec for it to be a movie that yeah. opens. Yeah, yeah. For yeah. them to even. Well, I mean, do you? I mean, because what did Guardians have? Well, but Guardians was not the sequel to a movie that starred all these people. You know what I'm saying? No, like, I, no, like I, I'm, I'm saying I think it's cool as a comic book fan, and you might yeah. know what I mean. I think it's really cool to imagine an Avengers movie that doesn't have any of the main five in it, but I just don't see that being a very viable choice for them. Like, I feel like it still has to be as much the story of whatever Captain America is doing or whatever Steve Rogers is doing. Right. It can't just no, I know be... what you're saying. I, I, I guess I mean, like, those characters in, in time will have all of their own films yeah. to sell you. Maybe their own franchise. To sell yeah. your, you know, your belief yeah. in them as a part of that next phase of the Avengers I mean, well, they did a great job of, as far as Black Panther is concerned. Absolutely. Like, I think everybody wants absolutely. to see more with that when character. Black, Black Panther comes out 2018. It's February of 2018. <sighs> so, <laughs> so long to wait. So long. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a bit of a problem for I me too. And what I wonder is, is, does does Bucky stay on ice or does he pop up in that movie? Right. Because uh. if I was if I was planning it, I would say he stays on ice for a couple movies. The stuff between Bucky and the Falcon. Like, I literally oh, so could have watched a whole movie so of Bucky, the Falcon, and Cap. <laughs> like, yeah, like, like why just, do they not get along so much? Is it because they're both, is it because they're the bros? Is it the bro code? Yeah. We do need the yeah. bro code movie. Because it's all about, like, how does it, ha- how do you handle it when you got your two bros? I would watch that yeah. movie. The scene yeah. in the car when, when he's yes. outside. He's like, you're going to see You're going to move your seat up. No. No. When Summer George and Winter George are suddenly in the car with you at the same time. But I loved also them being happy for him when he gets a little smooch. Yeah. Even though that smooch is wedged in, and I hear some people say that okay whatever that shouldn't have been there but I was like no I love the moment of his buddies rooting Definitely. for him to be like oh, good yeah. finally Steve's getting a little something even when something. they disagree with each other they still root for yeah. him well that was his that's his big paramour in the comic books and mm-hmm. I mean they had taken she yeah. really kind of got cut in two and so it felt a little forced when it got to three you know to get it in there mm-hmm. but I'm like ah oh, you know alright like at least yeah. let the guy you know have some sort of personal life at I least they are... didn't make it like uh, in Batman versus Superman where I'm like Superman has to somehow or another remind you that he has mm-hmm. a girlfriend every every five minutes. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Well, she's the only person he saves reliably. Right, 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 right. It's like, I mean, how many movies do you go to at all where you're like the third one is the best one? Yeah, mm-hmm. right. No, that's Let right. Alone right. That everything's going in. It's like, wow, it's just getting better. And I mean, I think it's kind of important that I could say, okay, those were great movies, but knowing all these characters and not having to they didn't pander by doing a whole lot of backstory stuff and explaining who folks are you know the Black Panther has his origin and becomes a character right in the middle of the movie while the action's happening you know and I was like I enjoyed that more right and it's not even his movie and if you look at it it's like so economical it's like done within 15 or 20 minutes of screen time or something you know yeah, I almost feel like it just felt like the Avengers and Winter Soldier Mm -hmm. the best parts of the film right you know like which was what made it just so amazing, and I don't know that like I've been more. Maybe with with Guardians, there's a couple scenes, but like mm-hmm. with the scene, like the the final fight between uh, Tony, Bucky, and Steve, like just that whole scene, I just mm-hmm. I was completely just lost. Not in a negative way, like my yeah. mind was just in that scene, like I was just completely emotionally like wrecked watching that that fight happen, mm-hmm. and like. 
just some of the di- like the dialogue it's in the trailer like when he says like so was I or I used to yeah. whatever it was like he's my friend fuck yeah is that what he says uh, he's yeah. my friend and then he says so was I yeah so was I I don't know I just loved it I just loved that whole scene and just like and again just speaking to the Russo brothers and the amazing scene in the elevator in Winter Soldier just staging an action scene with like a couple dudes fighting mm-hmm. in a superhero movie where so much else could be going on mm-hmm. is the most effective thing of the movie. Yeah. Like them fighting fist to fist, you know, they're using their, their skills and like their, their powers or whatever. But just the moments where they're tossing the shield back and forth mm-hmm. yeah. and just double teaming him. Like, God damn, that is so well choreographed and yeah, staged and shot. Yeah. Like the colors in that scene and just the, the pans are just so perfect. That, and what like, it says it about the character so good. that Steve is teaming up with somebody against Tony. You know what I mean? Yeah, it could have gone the other way. It could have been could have been a different thing. Yeah, I just that that scene alone is like enough to rocket this movie like to the top mm-hmm. of my list. And I struggled between one and two, but you know, it was my two. Honestly, walking out of that I was like, Wow, you just did a movie about Iron Man versus Captain America, and they were probably the characters I walked out least interested in. I'm like yeah. everyone else was so good. Yeah. You know, in it. And um going back even like the original fight scenes and you know, we haven't talked a lot about um the Black Widow, you know, through this because I think the Black Widow and the Hulk are the kind of two characters everyone wants to see sort of a standalone movie on. But mm-hmm. for the action scenes and the choreography, um, like it looked like every punch she threw hurt. I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. ow, ooh, yeah. absolutely. You know, I mean, it was that was really, really well done. So there was a lot of good stuff for it in that. But, you know, amazing movie. I wonder if they do that with her because she isn't super powered. And so you yeah, do have yeah, to really yeah. work out, like, how is she staying viable? in these fights and it's by being a really good fighter so maybe they have to make her more more of like a convincing yeah. you know martial artist or whatever whereas the other characters they have like that yeah. they could do that you know? <laughs> <laughs> well you can google that and there's actually whole like websites devoted mm-hmm. to like which fighting style is this person using in oh, this wow. movie so they'll talk about the um, evolution of that over the course of the films but mm-hmm. wow. I think a lot of the character development in this one was what was missing in Avengers 2 like mm-hmm. I cared Way more about the Scarlet Witch, you know, after this one. Oh, yeah. And in Avengers 2, I was just kind of like... Yeah, kind of a nothing Yeah, that was a nothing character. And Quicksilver, unfortunately, even more so. His his time with us was quick. (laughs) (laughs) But so, Guardians, why is that at the top of the list, Ronald? I mean, we talked about it a ton. I know, we have. So I'm saying, let's just bottom line it. the, the, The bottom line is, it was so fun, so original beautiful mm-hmm. it was uh, it really is it's a it beautiful really movie man mm-hmm. like uh batista well what the fuck yeah he's he's way better who, than he should be who could have expected that dude to be so good in this movie a wrestler yeah i would catch it who would have yeah. thought that, who would have thought that him yeah. a wrestler petting a cgi raccoon was going to be like an emotional yeah moment yeah. you know and and having each person's personality kind of create this structure for them to become an amazing team Mm -hmm. it it was such a fun movie i I, i've never seen anything like it and and i i don't think anything else competes with it in the world that's that's it's always going to be in my top five at least I feel it's like a, you're talking about your first girlfriend or something. Yeah, like, so good. Well, man. I think it's interesting. So James Gunn was a director that, it, that you may have liked before. I liked him before. Are we at all worried about whatever happened with Joss Whedon repeating itself with James Gunn going into Guardians of the Galaxy too? I mean, I don't know. Like, I think it'll be good. They don't have as much riding on it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like yeah. there was uh, when they interviewed was him after the first one, though. he said 
you know, they actually were kind of encouraging him to be even more yeah. James Gunny. Yeah, yeah, they said we want to see more James Gunn in the script or whatever. Right. right. So I feel that's like if they know that that's the formula that worked in number one, then as long as it doesn't go off, you know, there's a grand arc to this whole thing, clearly. And Guardians 2, I believe, is supposed to tie into the next Avengers films. An indie director who I like, who's got a weird style, yeah. who typically does kind of R-rated kind of midnight movie fare, and he's bringing that to... Basically, doing a better Star Wars movie than I've seen in, in, at that point in fifteen years, you know. So it just it goes into the it goes into theaters like without having any. I mean, it has expectations because it's a part of this Marvel world, but it mm-hmm. doesn't. Yeah, because it's like Ronald was saying, it's like characters that really nobody had or most people didn't have like a preconceived notion of or like they were expecting something. They were just expecting like a quality movie because this is a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like what I was kind of alluding to earlier was like the Avengers thing. Like it's like it managed to do what the Avengers did in five films ramping up in one movie. Yeah. You know, basically to sell you on five characters that you don't know at all, mm-hmm. working Never together before, right? and loving each other, caring about each other and you caring about all of them. Mm-hmm. In one film. Yeah. Right. And it's a fucking blast. Like, yeah. you just say, it's like the best Star or Indiana Jones. Like, it feels like that adventure that, and I and I think I had it when we talked about the movies of that year. Like, it was one of the first times I remember in recent history feeling like I did when I saw movies like Indiana Jones in the theaters when I was a kid. Like, just that, like, my emotions just, like, you just, the adventure ramps up throughout the whole movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, character by character, by set piece, by visual, by comedy beat whatever mm-hmm. it was a star making turn for Chris Pratt you know falling in love with a, rac- a, a, a raccoon in a, in a talking tree mm-hmm. it's just like how would that ever work yeah you look you just say it out loud and you're like what but like the fact that it does is such a freaking accomplishment mm-hmm. it is. and yeah. it, it's rare it's rare it's and it rare. doesn't have to do any of the world building that Avengers did or any of the other movies did I mean it builds its own world mm-hmm. It and that's kind of where you're going with the sequel like how does it tie and all that stuff but it benefited from not having to do that stuff. It yeah. does everything that the Avengers did and 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 was successful doing in one thing without having to set up the next Thor movie or set up the next Iron Man movie. Mm. It it's got that its... great element of the soundtrack being part of the story too. Great soundtrack, absolutely. absolutely. But it's like the, the and, and, and yeah. the next one being called Volume Two, absolutely. And we know that it's, it's so going to be fueled perhaps by the songs that the mom put on the second tape. Yeah, that's all so very smart. like yeah, it's very smart and it feels very thought out. Like whether that was something that they conceived of from the get go, yeah. that feels like such a huge part of it. The music, because yeah. I was just going to say that opening scene that's very emotional, where he doesn't reach out and touch his mom, and then she dies, and then he gets sucked off into space. Like I was not expecting to be watching that movie, and within five minutes to be like, oh. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's got and, that Disney animated thing. And then the thing next in the scene is minutes. him dancing to "Come and Get Your Love" in the Alien Temple, and I was right. just like. I was some combination of what am I watching, and I was like, I'm so glad someone made. I don't even know what this movie is yet, <laughs> but I'm so glad they made this movie. You yeah. know, and then like seeing that that was a, that was a case of seeing it with a packed room, and people were just delighted with the movie, Absolutely. and seeing my son go crazy for it, and you know that was just yeah. It's you, you can't fabricate that. You can maybe make a movie as good as that, but I don't know that you can get back that sense of discovery of just like Chris Pratt, James Gunn, these characters, all those elements kind of came together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean. The most fun I've had watching a, a Marvel film, hands down. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, one of the ones I'm most looking forward to seeing what happens next oh, sure. for. Pro- probably because it is, even though it is going to be connecting to these other events, I think we all know that it's, it's, it's answering to itself at this point. It's sure. All it's got to do sure. is follow up on that movie. Absolutely. It's not, I mean, there may be some Thanos or something in it, but it doesn't seem like that is part of this world yet. So Definitely. I think that you're right, that it doesn't feel like it has a lot of weight on it outside of just don't be bad. You know? Yeah. I think there was a bit of a 
you know, going back to the same thing with Ant-Man, like uh, sort of, uh, well, this will be the bubble burster, you yeah. know, in oh, it. Yeah. But you can't really, there was no lack of confidence in this movie because if you go back and you look at the stuff with Nebula and Thanos' daughter and the collector who has, I forget who has, how many Infinity Stones he has at this point, which is probably something that will indicate a lot of what happens next. But, you know, they did more to move the universe story mm-hmm. quietly forward in Guardians mm-hmm. than right. actually they did in all of Avengers 2. You're right, because they expanded, like, what the universe is. Right. So there's a lot that actually it's like, well, while this fun thing is happening Mm -hmm. that's, by the way, super awesome and distracting, you know, there's also this mad titan who's, you know, intent on collecting these things. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure, because we know the collector has one um, that he picked up in Thor. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm sure that, you know, part two will at least have that. Nebula's back for that. So his daughter's running around. And as far as these cosmic beings, the fact that Jeff Goldblum is playing the Game Master, is that mm-hmm. his name, for for Thor Ragnarok? Thor. That's going to be so... I ever tell you my Jeff Goldblum story? You've got a I Jeff Goldblum him. story. No. Yeah, I, I ran into him in New York, and we're <laughs> over by Lincoln Center, <laughs> and he is like perfectly Jeff Goldblum. He looks completely lost. He's just kind of like looking around, like waving his <laughs> arms, and it looks as if he has no idea at all where he is. And wow. like for a moment, you, you don't want to approach him. He's a celebrity. He's super famous, but you just want to kind of be like... Jeff Goldblum, it's okay. We're at Lincoln Center. I know completely <laughs> yeah. where we're at. Yeah. Where do you need to go? But, you know, I was like, I'm just going to leave him in his Jeff Goldblum world. And then, you know, off he went. Was he, was he kind of like, uh, yeah. Uh. yeah. I was like, wow, he is, that is him, you know, like all the way through. Wow, that's crazy. You kind of wonder yeah. if he gets up in the morning and he goes to the mirror and he's like, remember to act like Jeff Goldblum today. You know, like. Yeah, yeah I don't, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean. I don't know what else to say. No, we have talked about it many times on this show. So yeah, at least there'll I, be a I new did, one next year that we can talk about yeah, that Yeah, I can't hopefully. wait to talk about it in a different way. But, <laughs> but Jason, it's been so great having yeah, you Yeah, man, on this thank episode. you so much for Yo, finally coming on. I couldn't have imagined talking about this topic and getting this deep into the kind of yeah. like deep nerdery of it without uh, talking to the person who said one of my favorite things about being a nerd or nerding that I've ever heard. And I think about it all the time. We all nerd alone. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was saying that, like, whatever. We, we, we were true. sitting in a bar one time and we were talking about stuff, and we were saying how you meet somebody and they're into the same thing as you. And you find out, you, maybe you find out you both love the same band. And then maybe you find out that you both love the same album. But at some point, you're loving the tracks that they hate, and they're, they're loving the tracks that you hate. And so it's like you thought you were nerding together. Yeah. But really, you're still nerding alone. The same way we live and the same way we die, Ronald. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for listening to Movie Schmovie. <laughs> That's a good cut right there. But seriously, it's, it was a hoot having you on this, yeah, man. Thank you. No, it was, it was, fun, to, it was fun to see you guys again, of course. Yeah. And uh, great as a fan. <laughs> awesome. Cool, cool. Well, you can find us on MovieSchmovie.com, Facebook. Stitcher! <laughs> Google. Oh, is Stitcher still a thing? It is, apparently. Oh, apparently. okay, good, good. So still apparently. Stitcher, Google Play, um, star us, like us, re- re- leave a review, do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email us at movieshmovie at gmail.com. And uh, that's about it. Otherwise, <laughs> and by the way, opening this Friday is Doctor Strange with the, with the length of this podcast. Yes. If you to it. No. no, if you start listening to this podcast in late July, it will take you through November. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Do- sure. Doctor Strange is opening. Absolutely. It's a service um, we provide. In case your fall was free. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so as always, you made our day. Thanks. Bye.